On today's episode of Rice Asian Comedy Podcast, we'll be debating the Asian views on wealth and reviewing mega hit Crazy Rich Asians. What up, what up, listeners, and welcome to Rice Asian Comedy Podcast, where we share the Asian perspective on entertainment, culture, and trending topics. Special shout out to the marketing team at Spotify Canada for continually showcasing underrepresented voices like the Rice Podcast. I'm your host, Vong Show, official spokesperson for gay, super cute Asians. And on our panel, we've got the gorgeous, talented Jennifer Shang. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> the youthful, exuberant Sebastian D. Chow. Oh, I'm so fresh and shiny. <laughs> and our super special guest today, first time on the podcast, Anna Lowo. Yeah, that's me. Um, okay, cool. So let's jump in um, before we get to our main topic of the week, which is discussing Asian views on wealth. We are going to start a new segment. This is our fourth attempt at trying to do this in a different format. So let's hope this goes well. We're calling it dim sum because it is a bite-sized rant. And <laughs> as soon as each of us gives our rant, um, we'll just say next and the next comedian will go in. So here we go with dim sum. I will start first. Okay, so there's a COVID-19 coronavirus. Um, it's annoying me that people are calling it Kung Flu or Chinese virus. It should really just be called the American virus because um, racist people who say it should be named after country of origin and they use the example of the Spanish flu are so stupid they don't look that shit up because the Spanish flu didn't originate in Spain. It originated in America. It was called the Spanish flu because they had the most cases. It was the most widely yeah. spread. So who has the most widely spread cases? America. That's the American flu. Next. Uh, so recently I've been, uh, well, uh, I've been jogging, right? And I've come to find that what I really dislike is people moving at speeds that aren't mine. And this this happens when you're driving or riding a bike or anything. Because say if you're on a bike, people who are walking, they're just like in your way. People who are like driving, they're like, they're like dangerous on your left. If you're driving, people who drive too slow like what are they even doing out here? You just you just get so mad at them, and I've met uh, uh, people who just road rage over the over just people just going a slightly different speed over from them. And right now I've I've been jogging a lot, and uh, boy do I, <laughs> I I see people walking and I get a little incensed now, even though like they're just moving a slightly different speed than me. I'm like oh, what you you're just lazily walking out here just relaxing. You don't even have like a stroller or anything. And if you had a stroller, you could, you could, you could crank on the gas. And uh, I, I realized that now I'm one of the most murderable, murderable people on the planet as a jogger. <laughs> and I think it's like, it's always a jogger who turns up in the woods and it's cause we deserve it. We're, like, we always think we're better than people who aren't jogging. <laughs> uh, like it's only a matter of time until someone gets f fed up and, uh, they're like, oh yeah, those Lululemon sweatpants won't uh, won't be keep you warm enough when I stuff you in my fucking freezer. <laughs> uh, next. Wow, that was dark. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Look out for Dexter Sebastian. I'm getting. I'm the one getting murdered out here. I'm jogging. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. 
Um, so as you guys know, Toronto uh, passed the bylaw today that masks are mandatory for everybody who wants to go to an indoor establishment. And I don't know about you guys. I got CP24 on the loop. I'm watching it. And they love replaying the same old bits, just the same old B-roll or quotes. And it's this woman, okay? She's got a family, a kid beside her. And she's like going off about, oh my God, we are here to protest that we don't have to wear a mask because it's infringing on our freedom of rights, blah, 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 blah. If they start imposing these mask rules on our freedom, then we're, it's gonna lead to what crushed the minorities in the first place and all this tyranny and oh my God, I didn't come to come, this is not the country I wanna live in. Like, are you joking me? Are you spoiled or what? We're in freaking Canada. Would you rather be in the US right now where masks are not mandatory and the entire country is falling to shit? Like it really pisses me off that you can take advantage of the certain freedoms in this country and the certain rules that keep everything in place. But as soon as it's seen as, oh my God, I don't want to cover my face because it's my freaking freedom, you start crying a river. Guess what else is a rule? not showing your dick in public. Why are you not protesting that shit? Why don't we look at all the rules the government imposes on our society to make it a civil society? This is not some rule like a fashion statement, okay? This isn't a pandemic. And I think that there are certain situations where, yeah, if the country is in a crisis, your government does have a right to tell you what the fuck to do. I'm sorry. It was ridiculous. These people protesting on the subways. I don't want to wear a mask. You don't want to wear. Shut the fuck up, okay? <laughs> wear a mask to shut your mouth. Sorry. <laughs> Next. All right. In case that was good, Jen. You're very passionate. I'm very angry. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, let me tell you what's grinding my gears. So, in case some of you have been living under a rock uh, in China, in the Xinjiang province lives a mostly Muslim population. In the last decade, there's been turmoil against uh, the Han Chinese and our Uyghurs. So um, the Uyghurs, yes, they are Muslim. Some of them may be extremists. There have been terrorist attacks. So China decided to hammer down and pretty much just remove these Muslims from their country but not remove their bodies, remove their mindset of being Muslim. So they built these schools where they re-educate children to learn Chinese, dress different, pretty much assimilate into Chinese culture. And you know what's messed up? These kids are like learning Chinese and like doing everything the Chinese people do, including eating pork, which is a no-no for Muslims. And so, yeah. Can you imagine like your whole life growing up, not eating pork because your God doesn't allow it. And then these Chinese people come in and force you to eat pork. That's evil. Well, it's sorry. I want to just add, isn't that kind of what we did to the natives? Not us personally, but the white people who came before us. <laughs> Pretty oh, yeah. much. And I mean, the, aren't the Uyghurs also being put in concentration camps? Oh yeah, like, I, 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 would, I, I would think that's a little like, like the pork thing is bad, but, but yeah. like being slaughtered is also like on the. I would that's, put that yeah. on on the list. It would yeah. make the list, of course. Yeah, it's it's also yes. Actually, four days ago, um, the people that escaped from the camps pleaded to the ICC and was like, "Look, what China's doing is a genocide. We need to do something about it." Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Great. Next? No? Maybe? Next. Okay. Next. Um, okay. So I've, I've, I've got one more. Um, it, it's also back to coronavirus. It's like news outlets, please stop saying COVID-19 is the disease caused by the coronavirus. It's not like HIV and AIDS where one's a virus and one is a condition. The reason why it's called COVID-19 is because coronavirus is too broad because SARS is a coronavirus, MERS is a coronavirus. So they added in the 19 to say this is the coronavirus from 2019. It doesn't change what it is. And, you know, technically you could say, so this strain of coronavirus is actually SARS coronavirus too. So I guess you could technically say COVID-19 is the disease caused by SARS coronavirus too. But that's stupid because SARS already has the word syndrome in it. So it can't be a syndrome and a disease. So this whole thing is just ridiculous. I don't know why news people can't get this shit right just because they ran with a term that was too broad and now have to correct themselves with a sentence that is still incorrect. Jeez. Oh, yeah. mom, sorry. Before, are you done? Sorry, you didn't next. say next. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I want to talk. There's huge news this week about Gilene Maxwell, oh. Jeffrey Epstein's mm. little freaking wench woman. Gilene? Finally arrested. I cannot wait for this house of cards to come tumbling down. You know what she is? They keep calling her a socialite. She needs to be referred to as, uh, no, she needs to be called Carla Hamoka, but with a stylist. That's what she is. Okay. Oh. Minus the murder part. <laughs> This bitch, like, when I was watching the Epstein documentary on Netflix, after every single episode, right, or every segment, they had to write, Ghislaine Maxwell denies these allegations. Ghislaine Maxwell denies these allegations. And it's like, no, no, you're guilty. Like, you were so guilty. And I'm not saying that Jeffrey Epstein maybe didn't groom her, but I'm sorry. Like, that is just blatant incrimination right there and i i can't wait to see all the people all the fucking prince andrews and the trumps and the clintons even come mm-hmm. tumbling down when they make her plea deal or maybe she'll commit suicide but yeah. that's that's something to look forward to for that's 2020 right guys? They're- yes Sebastian. yeah i don't know i don't think there's any way that this all comes tumbling down after this. She's either going to not crack or she's going to be killed for being about to crack. No, no they it's can't the same. killed. They learned from why, them. Why not? First mistake. They, they are the ones who did it. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> I think Epstein, I do think someone tipped him off. Like, no, someone no, someone put a hit out for him. I think his death was... Probably many people. Yeah. Okay, any last, uh, sorry, I'm jumping in. I'm assuming that's next. Yeah, next, sorry. Whoops, we're okay. not very good. Yeah, we've, we've been failing okay. so far. I'll count, I'll count down from five, and if nobody jumps in with another one, we will uh, move on. Five, four, three, two, one. Okay, so that's our dim sum section. Obviously, we're still working out the kinks, but that was our best one so far. So thank you for uh, um, joining in on those different rants. So... Our main topic of this week is Asian wealth, both wealth in North America, like Asians living in North America, and also Asian wealth concentrated in Asia. So first question I want to ask our panel is, what were you taught about money and wealth from your Asian parents um, or your Asian families? And uh, how does this differ from North American views on wealth? Let's start with Sebastian. Uh, well, my uh, my father's Chinese, and he's a very cheap guy. 
it's it's true uh what they say is true uh like we have to actively not talk about things we purchased in front of him or how much stuff costs uh like uh my mother taught me to always tip 20 percent, even if the service sucks it's like that's not even up to me that's just what you tip because that's what the food costs uh but my father might like not tip or tip very low like we don't we can't trust him with that uh <laughs> I, I don't know. It feels a little uh, demeaning if you can't be trusted with financial stuff like that because you're cheap. But I, I guess that's the cultural difference. Uh, I, I don't know. There's a there's a big expectation of like gratitude for things involving money. Uh, now my parents were middle class, but they they paid for me to go to university, uh, which is very kind of them uh, for four years. And I uh, for four years, and I didn't finish my degree. Which is really bad because if you say, "Oh, college just wasn't for me," it's usually like six months, like one semester, and then you and then you leave. I didn't figure that out for so much longer than that. <laughs> and what's more, I only say that I did four years because I did two half years. So really, what I'm saying is, I spent five years at university and did not get the degree. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so they're not they're not terribly pleased with me. Uh, and now I'm off their dime and it's, it's to the point where, the, uh, last time my mom visited me, she brought me like some food, like some frozen ham. Uh, and, and that turned into like my, my uh, screaming argument with my dad over how much they're like spending on me. Cause the, cause the ham, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, very, very cheap in my Asian side. Uh, but the. My the Asian side of my family is is as a, a lot more money than the white side of my family. Mm. Mm. Well, that seems but, uh, to be the trend in the world right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't like my. Uh, I've I have an uncle who uh, owns a restaurant chain. He's he's quite wealthy, uh, and uh, I've yeah. But, but for the, the white side of my family, uh, we're like personal trainers and stuff like that, or they're mm. this. They like work at a dojo, or some some stuff like that. This is this is the type of stuff we're doing. Or me, yeah. I'm currently uh, costing the Canadian government two thousand dollars a month. Uh, this is what we're up to. <laughs> yeah, um, I want to. So Sebastian, you were talking about like your dad's side of the family, and you know what? Like everyone's different. So I'm not one to say, "Hey, you're casting a bad stereotype on Chinese people." We're not all cheap because yeah. Okay, in every nationality, there are cheap people. But I do think that Chinese people suffer from this stereotype of being non-tippers and cheap. And that really, uh, the origin of that comes from, in Asia, like tipping is just not part of the culture. Not in Hong Kong, not in China. Yeah. So you have immigrants that come here for the first time and they're like, what? I have to pay again? Like, yeah, my, father, my father was born, like, you know what my I mean? father was born was, in Canada. He was yeah. not, he was not an, uh, an immigrant. Uh, oh, he <laughs> wasn't? He, oh, he, he immigrated to him. Michigan yep. from Toronto. So <laughs> that's uh, how Wait, so he was born in the U.S. or he was born? No, where? he was born in Toronto, uh, in the Toronto area. Okay, so he is cheap. Okay, fine. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, there's there's an element not. of like, uh, <laughs> we don't... We, my family, my Chinese family doesn't come from money. You know, there's like some criminal activity up in there for sure. I have... I may have inherited a property in the Turks and Caicos that I can't collect on because there's like hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in owed taxes on. Wow. Right. Maybe okay. something like that. Yeah. You know, I, I just, I don't know. I'm not just to get too explicit. 
I'm defending the majority of the poor Chinese like immigrants or as they call them, like the two baozi who come here and, yeah. you know, they might not know. Now, of course, it's becoming more of the norm. Um, yeah, I'll I'll, I'll 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 jump in there too. I'm mm-hmm. um, sorry to interrupt, just um, no. just so we don't move off of tipping. But it's not just Asians that don't tip. It's like all of Europe doesn't tip. It's it's a very North American thing. And right mm-hmm. now, when we're talking about Black Lives Matter and dismantling um, systems of oppression that were created to oppress Black people. I don't know why nobody's talking about tipping. Look at the history of tipping. Yeah, it it is. is actually a system of oppression because they didn't want to pay black people a wage after they were um, set free. But they thought, well, tipping them whatever we want when they do the service, it still makes them feel like they're beneath us. Oh, so that's why it's specifically a North American thing. It is tied to slavery. Wow. Yes. Wow. I did not know that. That is freaking fascinating, Mom. Holy yes. crap. Okay, yeah, I just wanted to get that point in, but uh, go ahead. Um, no, that's cool. That's really, yeah. that's interesting. Yeah, I think that was said on the podcast by you, Jennifer. <laughs> Maybe. No, 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 no. The thing about va- the tipping. No, the, yeah, the tipping. Happened. No, but the links to slavery. I did not know yeah. that. Oh. Yeah, Vong just said that today and I had no idea. Yeah. Mm. So that's I, me. I learned about it on the podcast. Uh, really? <laughs> <laughs> you guys like do a separate podcast before this one like, <laughs> deja, deja rice i don't know <laughs> okay you guys are in a little club sure <laughs> um yeah maybe I don't it was know when you're I'm... at the cottage and you're like you just disconnected for that segment maybe maybe <laughs> i think maybe i did it could have been that time Jeez. okay I jennifer what are what are your thoughts about wealth what were you taught from well, your family jesus christ i came from a really uh god how many times do i have to repeat this in this podcast i came from a poor chinese family oh <laughs> no, I... <laughs> I'm not even Cantonese. I can't even do the Cantonese accent for that. Oh, he's so poor. He's so poor. No, no, no. Uh, we we started off okay. My dad was a businessman who owned three retail shops on Queen Street West. Mm. He's a lot older than my mom. However, when they got married, like a fortune teller was like, had warned them, this marriage will not work because Wendy, my mom, you were born in the year of the rat, and Joseph, you are an asshole. <laughs> no, no, no. My dad, my dad was actually born in the year of the rooster and the fortune teller had predicted if you marry this woman, Joseph, you will lose all your money. And that's oh. what happened. Oh, shit. Uh, I struggled a lot financially. So growing up, I just witnessed my parents constantly fighting over money, struggling over money, uh, witnessing my mother work countless nights while she was pregnant with my sister and my brother in the basement cutting out patterns, sewing garments, because mm. he had, my dad had owned retail stores. And they eventually, you know, split up over money issues. Like when they got divorced, there was nothing left. And, you know, the rest was a lot of drama. But I think growing up, my father had kept trying to tell me like, Jennifer, maybe it was his lesson, like, don't be like your mother, you know, you have to, you can't rely on a man because my mom had like, moved on to her next boyfriend, which was his ex-best friend, and Mm. maybe relied on him financially because she had no choice. And so he kept telling me that. And I was like, okay, dad, I'm going to do well in school, which I did. I'm going to be independent, go be a journalist, get my own money. But then when I married my husband, who is a successful, you know, business person in his own right, like my dad was relieved, like, oh, don't fuck it up. You know what I mean? (laughs) So I definitely got mixed messages 
mm. on that. But I think in Asian culture, what I can observe from being in China all this time is that money, wealth, it, it it's beyond even just money and being able to buy shit. It's just status, symbolization of power, respect, face. It ties into that whole I guess that emperor mentality of I need to be the best, I need to be honored. And to have money means that you have something because everything else in Chinese culture, like emotions are so wrapped up mm. that having money, having these outside things represents something that they don't have to say or express. So there is definitely this preoccupation with money and wealth to the point where, you know, you had the baby milk formula scandal back in like 2008 where babies' heads got bigger and kids died because oh. of tainted milk formula because people were making fake milk or, or putting like chemicals in baby powder to make an extra buck. You have gutter oil, which we mentioned. They're recycling, sifting through restaurant-used mm. gutter oil and repackaging it. Mm. China is the manufacturer of like all these fake goods. You have these copyright issues because there's so many people and not everyone can make it and everyone's just trying to make a buck. And that's unfortunate, but that's the case. And I do think it's different from North America. I do think they prioritize money and wealth over human life. It's true. You know, I, I do think it would be a very creative way to break up with somebody by paying a fortune teller to <laughs> shit like that. Right? <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> okay, Anna, what are what are your thoughts about about money? What were you taught from your family, and how does it differ from North American views, if at yeah, all? Well, everyone uh, everyone knows the saying like money doesn't grow on trees, right? And I'm like, but money's made of paper. Um, <laughs> yeah, growing up. <laughs> My parents immigrated from China to Toronto and they didn't have, you know, the most money, but we like survived. Money was about survival for us. Uh, but, yo, know, like our first house in Leslieville, it was me, my mom and my dad in one bedroom. The other bedroom was my uncle and auntie and the other bedroom was my other uncle and auntie. So it's always a full house. There's always all of us. I was like super spoiled because I am the eldest or the only kid pretty much that came out from my dad's side of the family. Mm -hmm. uh, so I knew the value of money, but I just thought, oh, there's so many people who love me so much and I get presents all the time. So I totally thought that we were rich in a sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I realized oh, maybe we aren't the richest because my dad would have to work like 14 hour days. He would go to work before I woke up for school and he would come back home when I'm already tucked into bed. Mm. Uh, I know his first job when he came to Canada was like, he was probably working in a restaurant in like the kitchen, probably like washing dishes or doing prep and stuff like that. My mom's first job in Canada, she was working as like a cashier at the supermarket. So very like labor forward jobs. They didn't have a second, um, they didn't have university education. Mm -hmm. They did their high school, came to Canada, and then just started a new life. Mm. Yeah, my grandparents pretty much raised us because that's what Asians do, you know, like they don't hire a babysitter. We, we all take care of each other. Um, yeah. And I think it's crazy 
to this day still, whenever we go out for like family dinners, especially if it's like my grandma or my grandpa's birthday, they still give out red envelopes to all of us. Mm. And I'm like, yo, it's your birthday and you're giving us money? That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we take care of each other. Like any time, like every time my grandma sees me, she's like, do you need money? Are you okay? I was like, yeah. do I look like I'm not okay? I don't know. That's cool. I'm, I get support if I need it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think I'll, I'll just jump in here with, so like with my, with my experiences with wealth, um, it's kind of funny because I live in Toronto now and it was very odd when I first started doing comedy here because where I grew up, like when you thought of, when you thought of Asians, you would think of gang member, you think of poor, you think of war refugee, which is basically Mm -hmm. how it is for all Asians outside of Toronto, Vancouver, Montreal, because think about it. If you're rich and you're going to move to Canada, you're not going to move to Winnipeg. So basically all the poor Asians were where I was. And so it was weird when I came here and I started to do comedy and I, I would just start going into like material about, you know, growing up around gang violence, all this stuff. And the audience was just like, what's going on? Like they, I just thought they made assumptions that they didn't. And it's funny because, you know, obviously we're talking about crazy rich Asians later on in this episode, but that's sort of like the perception um, because in the major cities is where the media is concentrated. But so, you know, my family are war refugees, really poor, grew up in the prairies. Um, And one thing I'll say is, you know, when you, it's funny because when you grow up really poor, especially in like those quote unquote ghetto neighborhoods, like, the worst thing you could be called is like inauthentic. That's why people like the first thing they'll say is like, oh, you, you, you know, they'll be like, oh, you're such a fake ass hoe or some shit. It's always like you're inauthentic. But actually the number two insult you could give to somebody is that they're cheap, which is funny because you think that people so poor wouldn't be care about being called cheap, but getting labeled cheap is one of the biggest insults you could give to somebody from a poor area. It's like this really weird mentality. So that's why you see people from poor areas. Once they get money, that's why they like, you know, flaunt it with all like these grills and gold and chains and all this stuff, because you're just taught like the worst, the second worst thing you can be called is like, is like cheap, which is funny because if you kind of think about it, the worst thing you'd be called is fake. But if you don't have money and you're wearing all these gold chains you are kind of being fake but anyway that um, no one it, likes the truth okay yeah it, I know. It, it is what it is but it, it, it's definitely what, what like one of those things um yeah so you were talking about cheat bong i just want to jump in quickly yeah. before i forget about this like when i lived in china like among the wealthy chinese people that i was acquainted with or had the pleasure of dining with at a banquet <laughs> like chinese people are proud right so that thing you said about cheapness yeah i don't think chinese people are i think it's more of like a self frugality type of thing and mm. i think chinese people are actually very 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 generous anna you were talking about how we take care of each other there is this mentality of we take care of those that we love and respect our family Like, for instance, in Asian culture, even for me, for example, so my family knows that, okay, my husband has a good job, we don't struggle financially, and we probably have more money than a lot of the other family members. So I, no one taught me this, but somehow it's expected, and I know that I have to support my family, meaning 
if I want to see my family, I'm buying them a ticket to come to Beijing to visit me. If we're doing a cottage vacation, we're the ones paying for the whole thing so everyone can come. Whereas with David's family, he's like, what the fuck is this? Like everyone, <laughs> everyone splits the bill. Like it's that split the bill mentality oh. with white people. Oh. It's like fair is fair. And they don't do this shit. Like even Dave, when he goes to his mom's house and we're together, like his mom will pay for something and then, or, or, or we'll pay for something for his mom. And I'm like, yeah, we just got it. But the mom's like, no, no, no. How much do I owe you? She's counting. And by the end of the trip, like totaling her receipts mm. to give us back money, which in Asian culture, you just, we don't do that shit. Right. Anna's agreeing. <laughs> pay it forward. Yeah, get so the that, next one. That's, that's like part of face. It's like too, a Robin Hood, a Robin Hood mentality. Like it goes from an area of high concentration to low concentration. Yeah, yeah. So, do you no. think it's like, uh, like, oh, like, don't, don't pay for, don't like, give me the money for the the meal. I can cover it. What, what do you think? I'm not rich. That too. But I also think, yeah, like how my my mom and her mother used to fight for the bill constantly at dim sum. Like you'll see yeah. little ladies mm-hmm. just fighting for the bill, fighting for the bill. Like that's the yeah. whole thing. Um, I'm just going to yeah. jump in here to uh, welcome Leonard Chan, who just got off doing a live show, and he's uh, he's uh, it, he's perfect timing because we're just finishing up the first topic about what we were talking about um, money and wealth. So we'll we'll get to uh, to Leonard in just a, a second. Um, so so for me, um, just to finish up with my parents, um, as far as actually talking about money, we didn't talk about money at all. Like it was just this forbidden thing to talk about, and it's sort of funny with what Jennifer's saying is because. I did kind of learn those things somehow, but without ever actually talking about it, just from observing how they took care of the bill, how they took care of other family members. But we never actually talked about it. It took me like working at the Financial Post newspaper for 10 years to finally educate myself on money. And for me, my viewpoints on money nowadays is that money is freedom and money is choice because some people say that like money is... Like money isn't happiness, but it's like if you don't have money, it's the only thing you think about. So if if yeah. so like yeah. money gives you the freedom and the choice, you can still choose to be miserable as shit, but at least you have that choice. And so that's why <laughs> Right. And so th- that's why for me, like even even when I was working in corporate life, like, you know, I was like the the youngest executive, um, by like, by like 20 years and like everybody else is driving like BMWs, Mercedes, getting these like big ass, um, big ass houses. And I always like, I live, I literally live in a, in like a battered women's shelter. Um, it's like a co-op. So half the units go to that. And like, I just, I just took transit to work for the whole time. Cause for me, I never want to have like those big bills. Cause I never, I never want to make a single decision in my life based on money even if I have it. So money is freedom to me. And now yeah. let's go to uh, to Leonard. What were you taught about money and wealth from your Asian heritage? And how does that differ from North American views? Well, I mean, like my, so my parents are Asian, obviously. Uh, they were from Hong Kong, but they, so my mom was like really, really rich. You know, like she came from a very wealthy family. Like my grandfather at factories, like they were on the border of crazy rich. You know, and then, uh, but then when she moved to uh, Canada, you know, she followed my dad. My dad was dirt poor. And so she gave up all that money for love, which is so stupid. (laughs) (laughs) So 
Like, I wouldn't be a comedian now if it wasn't, like, if they just stayed in Hong Kong, I wouldn't be a comedian, all right? Like, all that, like, this hole inside me I'm trying to fill with, like, the validation of strangers, I could fill that with money. Like, we still would You'd be Edison Chen. Oh, God, no, you wouldn't. Exactly. <laughs> but anyways, the whole point is, like, so when my parents moved to North America, they had no money. And so then they, so here's the thing. So my mom, it's an interesting perspective because my mom had a ton of money. Like she, she had a limo used to take her to school, right? You know, she like, you know, like how parents have those like, oh, you know, I had to walk over a mountain or whatever stories to get to school. <laughs> like, no, limo driver. It was fun. <laughs> so, but then when they, walk, when they moved You had to walk uphill yeah. both ways because that's how long the limo was and you were at the back. <laughs> 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 So when they moved to Canada, though, because like they had no money and my mom came from money, like she kind of knew, like my dad kind of knew how money worked. My mom knew as well. So they were both like actually really, really, you know, they were frugal, but they were like my mom knew how to spend money. My dad knew how to save money. And then together it became like this really good team. (laughs) So like I was always taught, I was like, you know, if you have the money, spend it, but don't ruin your life, you know, like always like set aside 25% of your paycheck, which I've been doing ever since I started earning a paycheck because compound interest is amazing, you know, when you're young, start saving money because it's just going to like snowball, you know, and they're always like, you know, we'll spend the extra money to get something nice because it's going to be made better. And then in the long run, that means you don't have to spend as much money because you don't want to buy like three cheap things for the price of, you know, one not so cheap thing. But at the same time, like, you know, you guys were talking about tipping before, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like we used, I went to a Chinese restaurant with my parents and I was like, Hey, uh, I, I'm paying for this. Like it was agreed upon Like we didn't have to fight for it. Like it was in the contract before we had dinner, because that's what you, you guys all know. That's what you have to do. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause if it's up for the up in the air, then you're just going to be like fighting. Like you pretend to go to the bathroom and pay for shit. Uh, and then I, I tipped, I put in a tip and my parents are like, that's too much tip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> <laughs> what, are you, what are you talking about? I was like, this is like 20%. This is normal. They're like, no, 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 no. We come here a lot. They're going to, they're going to see you, you tip this much. You'll make us look bad. Took <laughs> 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 Money off the table. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, yeah. So anyways, like the end of the day, like money, uh, you know, they've always said to me, like, if there's any, if it's a problem we can solve with money, then it's not really a problem. Oh, wow. But their views on money are like very, like they're very much like spend the money if you have it, mm. but like, you know, use debt well, but don't go into debt for no reason. You yeah. know, like I, like, like when, if I have to pay a credit card interest, it hurts me. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. That's a fool's game. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's exactly. kind of funny. You guys know. I'll, I'll jump into one more thing about the whole tipping thing. It's like, because we talked before about its, um, about its origins in, in slavery and all that as a, as, as a construct. But also, did you know that people of color make about 50% of the tips that white people do? So I actually do, when I get a non-white um, server, I usually do tip them like double, like 30%. Ooh. Because I know that they're probably making less because people are racist which is why tipping needs to go away and also during the pandemic you can see because tipping is based on actually working but the minimum wage for people in service jobs is actually a lower minimum wage but that's all they're 
guaranteed because of the pandemic. So it's like this whole, it's this whole oppressive thing. It's my new thing. If we're going to deconstruct Black Lives Matter and the police, let's deconstruct tipping. It is ridiculous. Even better. Let's go, let's go back to haggling prices. (laughs) (laughs) My mom was so good at that. The menu says $8, but I think that was a $5 sandwich. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You know, I meant like Best Buy and my dad's haggling. I was you can't haggle at a Best Buy, dad. Like, it's a Best Buy. The this is the price. You have to follow the rules. want a bigger price. I was like, oh shit, you can't haggle at a Best Buy. Oh shit. Oh really? Like price matching. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, I've never actually haggled in my life. Oh my, have you never been yeah. to Pacific Mall? You need to go to Asia. Oh, oh yeah, Pacific Mall. No, that's okay. closer. What I love about <laughs> I was always so brutal because anytime we go to like, you know, like my parents and I traveled a bunch. So we go to like these, like Mexico or like Dominican or whatever. And there's like these markets, right? And they want to buy stuff. So they're like haggling. <laughs> and I was like, you're haggling from like, se- like, like 78 cents down to like 15 cents. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing, guys? Like they need this money. And so I'm like, they're haggling. I'm, I'm on the side of the vendor. So I'm like arguing for them. And my parents are so mad. <laughs> Because <laughs> we're like, we had, we're trying to save 45 cents. <laughs> That's yeah. how the rich stay rich, guys. Yeah, they I, don't I, share. Yeah, yeah but one thing I it's will so say cute. too about haggling and what I love about like how, how like, um, quote unquote racist um, Asian malls are is that like they, they will clearly double charge white people at Pacific Mall. Yeah, no, that is true. <laughs> and they, they don't even care. Yeah. Like, they yeah. will tell it to your face. They'll be like, obviously, I'm charging you more because you're white. Like, they'll just say it's your face. Yeah. It's so yeah. open. Yeah. Yeah. And so whenever I go shopping with my friends in Pacific Mall, I'm like, do not come into the store with me. Because even if you're shopping with a white person, they'll give you... You get the white price. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You get the white person tag. The price is white. White. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, okay. So so let's let's move let's move on to um to the to the next part of Asian wealth. So you know, taking it beyond our families and what we learned but you know taking more of an international view of what's happening of the concentration of wealth and power that's happening in countries like china who are already a world superpower but um, most economists say are about five six years away from becoming the number one economy in the world like what do you think like why do you think this rise is taking place and what impact do you think it'll have on the world let's start with anna well I mean, in one of my sets, I do go, China number one, but jokingly. <laughs> and like, in the last decade or even five years, like China's become this like super like powerhouse in the economy. Like we rely on China for so many things. I was watching this documentary about how China has this whole um, the rail, oh, belt and road initiative. So they go to poor countries And they pitch them this idea. It's like, oh, we're going to build a train for you. It's going to be super fast. Your people will move from point A to point B so much more efficiently. Like a four-hour ride on a bus will take you like 45 minutes on a train. And of course, like you'd you'd be stupid to say no to such a good deal, right? Mm -hmm. So China goes to like Sri Lanka, Jakarta, Indonesia, and Cambodia. They like build this infrastructure there. But the thing is, China will provide their own workers, their own materials that they make in the factories in China, and then they ship it there. Oh, wait, now they got to build a port. 
So very strategically, China is kind of placing themselves in these countries and then they leave a giant bill for them. And then the countries mm. don't have money to pay these. So they're forever indebted to China. Mm. China is like, like a giant home like shark. I like how so much has changed, but the Chinese are still building railroads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> oh, high speed, baby. It's high speed now all the way. If it ain't broke, don't now fix we, it, you know? Now we open the railroads. That's how it's changed, right? <laughs> I know <laughs> Trains are better than cars. I think, oh, know. agree. Yeah, 100%. I, I mean, I, you know how these people talk about like flying cars? That's insane. Like we can't even, ha- like there's still <laughs> train crashes. That's one dimension. Yeah. <laughs> flying cars is like three dimensions. That's nuts. Yeah. You can't even handle one. You think you can mind. get just anybody to understand how to manipulate pitch and yaw on a, <laughs> on, in a 3D <laughs> axis as you're hurtling through the sky <laughs> at, at a speed that's measured in knots or something? <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, so let's uh let's jump over to Jennifer. Um what Yeah, are, Anna thoughts? was yo, Anna is like 100% right. The Belt and Road has been going on for a long time. It's part of China's like reformation 25-year plan to become the world's number one superpower. Mm. And you know, they're not even they're doing it with this Belt and Road thing, which is basically like a recreation of the old Silk Road, a continuation of what they set out to do. Uh years and years ago, which is basically like Napoleon. He was trying to take over the world. This is China's way of peacefully taking over the world, you know? Not like what the Japanese people did. No, um, no, no. We'll leave the German, we'll leave the World War II references out of this, okay? We'll leave them out. No raping and no pillaging. We'll just build railroads and make them give us money. Um, yeah. No, you know yeah, how they, we're supposed to talk no about- trains in World War II. Feel free to slam the Japanese. What? Make my parents happy. Just do it. It's fine. I know, right? <laughs> Uh, there is so much bitterness with the older generation. Oh, people have like, not forgiven mom. Japan for oh, World no, War II yet. No, it was just, okay, not to steer the conversation, but I don't think people know how grotesque it was. Like what, what soldiers would do when they went to villages is like, yeah. they would, like I, I just want to say, so people know the fucking facts. They would stab pregnant women in the bellies with their mm. bayonets. They would throw newborn babies up in the air have a box with their sword and then catch the baby. Like, like we're talking not just like killing for the sake of clearing an area. We're talking torture, like grotesque games to satiate some dark sickness that their commanders thought would Oof. somehow quell their restless soldier spirits. Like it was whack shit. Anyways, money. For those who are tuning China, in, China, this China, is the comedy podcast. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> You, you think wasn't that shit hilarious? No, it's dead babies are not funny. Of course, they're not funny. No, okay, no. which is the of Jessalyn's career is ironic all about because dead baby I, jokes. I was talking about Japanese killing babies, and now like how many babies have China killed through their one-child policy? Now, whoa, okay, <laughs> all right. isn't it ironic? <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> Women are forced to get abortions at seven months pregnant if they don't have the money to pay for that extra child. That is the fine. And you, you know, when they made that money to support a second child, but now they've changed the rules. They've changed it now so that <laughs> if you are a single child and you married another person who was also a single child, you guys are allowed to have two kids now. Um, yeah, ooh, when they were making yeah, the one child policy, that? was it, who no, was, it, was it Mao? Who, who, it. Who, I don't know if it was it? Mao. I don't remember which person. I, I, I can only imagine the guy who wrote the law. He's sitting in the club. And he's looking around. He's like, 
why are there all these girls here? There's not <laughs> enough dudes in this club. <laughs> oh my God. Write the law. A majority of Chinese men are in the closet. No, no, we won't go into that. <laughs> no, they're buying Pakistani brides, taking them back to their own country, pretending oh that they're Muslim. Uh, and, okay, yeah. I'm just, I'm just going to jump in this here. This is off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> as, as a... No, it's my fault. No, 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 it's, yeah, it's as, my fault. I was this is, a, this about is about economics, guys. Okay, <laughs> so bringing, bringing, bringing it back to economics, <laughs> I will say... That you know, I think I think it is scary that China is rising as a world superpower um, economically because they've already shown that they will use their economic power to censor other countries, and it's already worked. Like, um, <gasps> like, like think think of the biggest Hollywood movies because China is the second biggest market, if not the biggest market for most movies. Hollywood has already started censoring and changing their movies. Like, there's a reason why the Avengers and Doctor Strange did not have a Chinese person play a Tibetan monk because obviously China's views on Tibet and all this shit. So then they cast like a white woman so that it would be released in China. So they're already censoring um, American art. Um, also, there's a huge incident with the NBA um, earlier this year where the GM of the Houston Rockets spoke out um, in favor of the Hong Kong protests. And now NBA games are banned from being televised in China, which is like their second biggest market. And they wanted an apology. Um, so they have no qualms about using their economic power to squash other major countries, even as major as the United States. And the United States has already been bending over. And right now, China owns 9% of America. American debt and growing over a trillion dollars. And that's just scary. Like in 10 years, they could own up to 20% of American debt, which is more than all other countries, like major countries combined. Um, and they could probably just default the Americans into a recession. So yes, I am a little bit scared of China becoming the world superpower. Um, yeah. Let's head on over yeah. to. Uh, did, did you have more thoughts, Jennifer? Or um... no, no, no. Basically, so I just want to say, like, you know, when I when I first came back to Toronto, I, I did this stupid joke because I need to lighten it up now. Okay, <laughs> talk. I did this stupid joke. I, I haven't done it anymore. I'm like, oh, I did this hacky ass Trump impersonation. I'm like, oh, you know, Trump's always like China, China, China. You know what I mean? And he's complaining and I'm like, relax, Trump, you know, like China might surpass you in dollars, but never in pounds. <laughs> I get it. It was a stupid a fat um, piece of garbage. It's a yeah. fat <laughs> 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 I get the um, I get the joke. Thank you. Okay, let's uh, let's head on over to to Anna. Me? Yeah. What are your thoughts on <laughs> the <laughs> on the? Uh, oh, is it? No, I started I, it. <laughs> oh, sorry. You know, you can go again. I, really. I, 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 can I, my I do have a lot of things to say about China. <laughs> you know, I I, 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 I think the whole thing about killing babies got me uh, off off the <laughs> off my train of thought. That's all we're thinking about now. <laughs> so, I mean, man, if you can't handle a few dead babies, you know, comedy is not for you. <laughs> so, speaking of killing babies, let's go to our youngest panelist, um, <laughs> Sebastian D. Chow. The group. You you have not, to, you have survived the uh, the color. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> All right. So as an as an American, 
Yeah. <laughs> yes. As an American, not, I, I've opened sets before where, where I was at Yuck Yucks and I, I said there and I, I said, I'm an American. And then immediately, boo. <laughs> Lose the crowd. <laughs> it immediately happens. Okay. So as, as an American, it's, it's easy to be intimidated by all these Chinese products everywhere. And there's the whole like made in America thing where, which is started by just a fear of Chinese products. Cause, and there's the view that Chinese products are cheap and they're garbage and they're all filled with lead and they'll kill you. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know, you give them to your child. That's a hot wheels car. Don't suck on that child who <laughs> sucks on everything. Uh, but uh, it's it's not really surprising that China is over is going to overtake the U.S. economically, or just Asian countries in general, because re in reality, in all of North America, there are fewer than 600 million people, but in Asia, there's nearly four and a half billion people. It's inevitable that Asian countries will overtake the West. There are limits to a service economy. Mm. And we don't make things. We like in in America, we make cars, but they're worse. Uh, and they, yeah, I know. <laughs> they, they, they're, they're worse, and they break down, and they're not good. Oh no! Just uh, as a background for listeners, Sebastian is from Detroit, so he is about to get some hate mail from his um, from yeah. his class. That's where they make the cars, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Where they used to make cars. <laughs> oh. oh yeah, they were in they make cars in Mexico now, but still. Where do they make Teslas? California, uh, California, probably. Yeah, I don't know, but I'm, I'm sure they make <laughs> nice. a lot of the electronic <laughs> electronic components for the Teslas in China, and just oh, ship them yeah. over. Um, uh, yeah, supply chains are international now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, my father actually he uh, for certain brake parts he used to uh, like try to determine where they could open up plants to mm. make the parts, and uh, everyone was afraid that jobs were moving to Mexico, and he told me. I can't open up plants in Mexico. They're too expensive. China is way cheaper. Like mm. it's, we shouldn't be worried about Mexicans taking jobs. We can't afford to hire the Mexicans because the Chinese <laughs> are so much cheaper than the Mexicans. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Uh, and we already have a wall. Yeah, <laughs> uh, of course. Of course. Uh, and of course they just went around that wall too. Um <laughs> <laughs> I think all most of the walls in history are like that. Like Wall Street used to be a wall that the, of the Dutch, and then the British just went around it. Uh, mm. Yeah. Oh. So that. But as <laughs> back on topic. Uh, sorry. <laughs> uh, I know that. Uh, okay, so if China becomes more powerful, uh, I don't. I guess the the global power of police states will increase. But I mean, it's it's just like a slightly more author authoritarian flavor of uh of superpower and it with the global crisis nobody comes out of a crisis with more personal freedom and i think we're already headed more towards the the more police state flavored version of the world which i don't think is a bad thing there are downsides. Constantly surveillance. <laughs> I, I'm not saying I'm I'm a, I'm a communist, but you know, we're, we're trying to say things and not get killed, and yeah. it's pretty no. hard to do that. No, no, sometimes no, no. no. <laughs> but come on, like, if we're in the middle of a pandemic, this goes back to my first rant about the masks. There's people fucking in La La Land, like, no, I'm protesting my freedom to not wear a mask. Like, but the pandemic up. will end when we have the vaccine. And then, 
When will that be? We, we don't get the freedoms back. That's not how it works. Yeah. <laughs> but also, no. people refuse to wear a mask during a pandemic. That seems like it has a, a solution that will just present itself. <laughs> it'll, it'll take care of itself. Yeah. Like they'll I just like die. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I, I don't mind them Survival dying. Survival of the fittest. I don't mind them dying. It's they're they're spreading to to other people, unfortunately. I know, but like, um, but like Bolsonaro in Brazil has coronavirus, and like so many Brazilians are rooting yeah. for COVID right now. They're be nice. like, go COVID. Might get some rainforest back. Oh, it's uh, like it's like people are like right? kids. We need rules. We need fucking rules. Yeah. What do you think the law is? Give me a break, guys. Give me a break. <laughs> We're becoming so Chinese. Yeah, I, you know, I, I, follow I, I, the rules. <laughs> rules. Follow the rules. <laughs> let's, uh, let's, let's head on over to Leonard for your thoughts on um, the rise of China as a world economic power. Um, well, I mean, everybody's touched on it already, but a lot of it is, yeah, like production is really cheap in China. So that's, so all these other major multinationals are incentivized to like move production to China. And China does not give a fuck about IP. That's another thing. They don't want to spend money on IP. They'll just steal it. Easy peasy. All right? Because like, you know, it, uh, this, is a, this is like an old joke. It was like the Chinese read from right to left. So copyright means right to copy. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that. That's pretty funny. <laughs> yeah. The old one, it's not me. I think my dad told me that joke. It's literally a dad joke. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. But uh, but yeah, I mean, this is the thing. Like China has, uh, <laughs> it's interesting because like when back in like you know when my parents were growing up, like my parents, it's it's so fascinating like listening to my parents and talking to them about politics and Chinese politics because they when they grew up, China was nothing. China was getting fucked by everybody. Like with the British and the Opium Wars and like it's just like Japan. It's just everybody was fucking China. And now China is a superpower, right? We have Xi Jinping in office and he's like just ruling with an iron fist like Chairman Mao, right? And he's just like no dissent. And he's rooting out corruption, which is great on the one hand. But on the other hand, it's like ah, genocides every now and then. So, you know, it's a little... It's a little fucked up, but my parents, it's so fascinating because my parents, they're basically like, but we never want to see China weak like it was. Yeah. And so like, yeah. so I don't bring up Hong Kong with them because they're like so pro-China on the Hong Kong issues. Because <laughs> they're like, it's all funded by the CIA. They're trying to break up China, which probably is true. And yeah. they're like, but they're like sending me all this shit. They're like, look, this is the truth from China. And they're sending me these news articles, which are from like, like, like state news. <laughs> and, and I was like, dude, this is from the Chinese government. Like, yeah. Come on. No, Leonard, right? And they're I, like, you. Yeah. No, sorry. I just want to say, like, your whole thing about your parents is so interesting because this whole time, like, China and Donald Trump actually have a lot in common in that they're both very defensive. Like, mm. if oh, yeah. China's stance on things with the, uh, the, uh, I find them quite offensive. I, they're very defensive, <laughs> and it's like, why you you are a big dick dog? Like you you don't not a big dick dog, but like you're the German <laughs> Shepherd. The rest of the world is like Chihuahuas. Like why? No no no. Yeah. Sorry, fuck that analogy up. Like you know how Chihuahuas <laughs> are like always barking because they're like I'm big, I'm big. Like China's acting like a Chihuahua when it's actually a, like a German Shepherd or a Great Dane. Like it doesn't need to be so defensive, and yet it is because it has some sort of insecurity. And I think, look, the thing with a lot of older Chinese people not wanting to see China go back to what it was before was because the Cultural Revolution really set China 
back year, like decades and decades. Like they could have mm-hmm. been the U.S. earlier or oh, by yeah. now had that not happened. It wiped out so much art and culture and like just yeah. civilization. Yeah. Really. And no, my my they don't want my parents lived with the culture revolution. Yeah, yeah, my parents lived with the cultural revolution. Like that's why they feel this way because they saw what happened. Yeah. You know, which is why now, by the way, like, you know, because now obviously there's this whole thing going on, like America versus China is like a bit of a cold war, essentially. There's this whole trade war. This is happening. And my parents are like, Pfft. I mean, tariffs, really? You're going to that? You're going to do tariffs? You think we <laughs> think we can suffer? Oh, you don't know. You don't know. Chinese, the Chinese know how to suffer. Americans are fucked. They won't even wear a goddamn mask because they want their glasses to fog up when they go to a fucking Walmart. They don't know how to suffer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know, man. Like it's like at the end of the day, you know, like you know, like the, the, the Chinese, the production is low. They have this dude who's ruling with an iron fist, but he's got this plan, the Belt and Road, and whatnot, and. You know, but th- I think the one big thing that China has to worry about, like they don't have much of a military, like compared to the rest of the world, but this is like about economic domination, right? So they don't need a military for this. And they don't know, they know the military is expensive, but what's going to happen, I think, what the, their big problem is going to be is they have this huge aging population and there's no social safety net. So like that's going to be a massive problem mm. going forward. So the, I, I don't know if they're going to, like we call them an economic superpower and they are on the verge, if not already, but like, I think that is going to be this huge thing where China's going to be like, oh shit, like, do we save the old people? <laughs> or do we just like, mm. goodbye? Oh, you know what? Asians, they, I feel like a lot of them do take care of their grandparents because we get guilted mm. into it. You know, it's like, it's kind of our duty to watch after our elders, Sebastian. I agree. But then, but then that, <laughs> their money then goes to that. And it's like, you know, then that diverts, where all the money is going, it's going to like just caring for the old, yeah. which is not going to be about any other thing, you know. And that's going to like set them back. I feel that's going to set them back. I Maybe China's going to like, you know. I think China, China already has a social safety net plan. I read that recently somewhere. I cannot quote it, but I read that because mm-hmm. I was actually I was actually googling about autism in China and how China treats like mental health and all that, and they're actually on like they're on the brink of getting all that north american frilly frilly stuff so you know they're becoming a superpower yeah. when they're finally acknowledging mental health and so uh, china has yeah, mental health care it's part of their like 30 year plan or whatever i don't know 30 year wow. plan. that's crazy yeah that's crazy because like like you know like as you guys all know like the ch- you know, Asian families are like, you're in therapy? Oh, you're fucked yeah. up. You're out of the family. Yeah. Like, that's not. Yeah. No, the coronavirus pandemic really actually further cemented it. Where, like, if you Google news articles about how these mental health stations or whatever, or, or wellness checks are popping up in China of people, like, helping people mm. with other, you know, issues that are coming up during the pandemic. I was surprised to read that. Really? Yeah, it's very, that's really cool. Because like, yeah. I mean, I know, like a lot of they are doing a lot of reforms where it's kind of making China more Western, like the banking uh, scenario in there, because it used to be like one bank owned by China. Now it's like five banks owned by the oh. state. But they like actually mm. like allow for like, like smaller <laughs> banks to come up. And a lot of the big banks are actually the IPO'd. Mm. So right. like the public owns some of them, but like not the majority. So like, and that's actually one of the reasons why China can be so 
powerful because like they control the whole entire banking situation. So they, they can decide, imagine if the American government could decide who gets money and who doesn't. Mm. Wait, they, not a free I, thought, I thought they just Don't did they? that with like Kanye West's loans for his shoe company. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's, yeah. okay. that's true. <laughs> <laughs> okay on on, on on that out. note i'm just I'm, I'm just gonna i'm just gonna jump in in uh the interest of time just wrapping up this topic I, I will say to our listeners i know we've been focusing um on on china's rise as a superpower and obviously asia is more than just china we sort of focused on china because well let's be real everybody on this podcast is at least part Chinese, um, and most are fully Chinese. But <laughs> There's I, I, a lot I, of us. <laughs> but I, I, I will say, too, just, just repping for my other half, which is um, Laos and, and, and a bit of Thai, you know, obviously... Um, Thailand's known for their for their manufacturing. Um, I, I, I will also do a quick shout out to um, to India as well because they've got yeah. well over a billion, almost two billion people, and they job were, India. Yeah, and yeah. and they were able they were able to uh, to uh, to impose um, to to large companies like Apple. They basically said you can't sell your shit in our country unless you manufacture it here, and mm-hmm. Apple who doesn't bow down to any country actually said, okay, we will open up factories in India. So with, with them being almost 2 billion people, they are also flexing. And on a future episode, we will touch upon other Asian countries. I'm just saying, cause I know some people get mad at me cause they call it the Asian comedy podcast. And then we only talk about China. We will, we will get to those other ones. We're talking about China because it is on the rise of being the number one economic superpower. Um, so that being said, that is our main topic. Thank you, everybody. Um, now let's jump into our movie of the week. So each week we like to choose a movie that has a predominantly Asian cast or creative team. And this week's movie is Crazy Rich Asians. Obviously, everybody knows this movie. Um, I'll just sort of uh, I'll jump in first on on what I think about it. Um, so... Uh, Number one, I really liked what the actors said about the movie because if you actually read the book, the film does a lot of things to flesh out the character. Because I'll be honest, if you read the book, you could tell it was written by like a banana who kind of hates himself. I'm I'm sorry if you're listening to this, Kevin, whatever. (laughs) But there are like a lot of ways that he kind of, that the shame comes through in his writing. But the movie really got rid of it. it really got rid of a lot of that shit. Also the way that it portrayed the mom as a fully fleshed character. That was definitely the movie and the actors kind of saying, talking to the writing team saying, you know, no, we need to present her in a more realistic way because he kind of wrote her kind of one dimensionally. Um, And one thing I will say too, that I love about this movie is the central conflict. Mm. It's Mm. very Asian. And I get some people say that, you know, Crazy Rich Agents was made to appeal to everybody, including white people. So sometimes they got narrowed down. You know, there are issues like how the lead character, once again, they casted a, a half white Asian because he had somewhat Western features. And also the lead girl, like they have large features, which we talked about Asian beauty last time. That's more appealing to white people, whereas subtle features are more appealing to Asians. So, yes, I do get that they were trying to appeal to more than Asians. But where I give it credit is the central conflict is incredibly Asian. The conflict wasn't 
because the mom didn't want her to be in the family because she was poor or because she is an immigrant. It was because she was American and Americans are seen as being selfish, putting individualism and the pursuit mm. of happiness above your community, above sacrifice. And if you talk to Americans, they're really surprised when other people don't think the pursuit of happiness is their number one goal. Like they think it's, doesn't everybody want to be happy? Which is what the character Rachel Chu says near the end. And the mom was like, that's just an illusion. We build things to last. So just fleeting happiness is not what we're going after. And to release that in America and to attack America's, you know, self-identity of the pursuit of happiness is the ultimate goal. I was like, okay, that's pretty cool as far as, <laughs> you know, and what I love the most is by the end of the movie, the mom accepts her because, oh, just one thing I know before we weren't doing spoilers, but now that we're telling people the movie one week ahead of time, it's more like a book club movie club. So we are assuming people have seen it as opposed to before. I'm getting confused faces because um, the panelists before I told them not to give any spoilers and right now I'm talking about the end. So this is more of like a movie club kind of thing now. So um, <laughs> what, 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 what I really liked about the ending was the American girl was so dumb, she still didn't get it. So when, so like when she walked away after the Mahjong game and she was like, just so you know, when you're celebrating with your kids, it was because <laughs> of this poor immigrant girl. And the mom's looking at her like, I already told you, I also didn't come from the right family. Like you totally missed the point, bitch. But okay, you did, <laughs> you, you did sacrifice. So I will let you into the family. But I do like that the Americans still didn't get it because I still think most of the American audiences at the end would still be like, oh, she didn't like her because she didn't have money. But like, even though she told her throughout the whole movie that wasn't the case, the American girl still was like her drop the mic moment was like, this poor girl got the best of you. And she's like, okay, bitch, like I literally just said that wasn't the point. I love, how, I love how you've made it like a cat between two black women now. <laughs> I don't know, Bob. Yeah, I, I actually, I kind of saw that Mahjong scene as um, that's when the mother, uh, like she saw that uh, that Rachel had sent like had, had been like, you know what? I don't even want this. And anything that he accomplishes in the future, that's because of me. So remember that. That's when the mom realizes that Rachel is just as much of a, of a mean, crusty bitch as she is. And so she, she can finally take the role. Is, is, is crusty. She is a, she's evil. Oh, my um, God. Um, okay, so. Um, you know what I really liked is, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, like that Mahjong scene at the end. Uh, if you guys know anything about Mahjong, I was like, there's no goddamn way Rachel would. To figure out how to like do that like that makes no sense like how would you know that, that that's exactly to give her the impossible. tile symbolically knowing what hand yeah. she had how could you fix that exactly that it's crazy i was like and i remember i remember feeling so like this, and this is such a weird thing because i was like i love that they represented an asian thing and i love that i understood it and not and like only asians who or jews i guess who play mahjong would understand <laughs> why that was wrong and even though it was wrong, I was like, oh, I feel represented, even though they fucked up. Because, like, I, because I, I turned to my white wife, I was like, do you understand why that Mahjong thing was so fucked up? And she was like, no, it was a cool moment. I was like, no, it was fucked up. <laughs> Wait, Jews, Jews play it, Mahjong? It wasn't as yeah, fucked up thing. as it was highly yeah. improbable. 
It like, was highly and improbable. She was, never she was an economics professor that specialized okay, in probability, yes. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've met a professor. They're basically God, right? Yeah. I, I, I would yeah. say, to be fair, every poker movie <laughs> that's ever happened in the history of movies also does the same thing to poker. And it kills poker players when they're And they're wrong. It. Like, you've seen Rounders? It's like, come on, man. <laughs> oh, he ate a fucking cookie? Weird. So now you know everything he's doing? Come <laughs> <fuck> <laughs> <off>. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, I don't know. Can I play devil's advocate and just say that this was my second time watching it. The first time I watched the movie, I was like, yay, it's great. It was funny. I think when you watch something the first time, you're just absorbing it, whatever. The second time, I definitely watched it with more of like a critical, maybe devil's advocate eye. And there were just so many things that kind of bothered me. (laughs) I guess, okay, movies aren't realistic, but like you're dating this guy for a year and in this whole year, you don't ask about his you don't <laughs> fucking Google Nick Young to find out you're dating a billionaire. It's like, a common, it's that pretty is common so name. dumb. It's pretty common. It's, oh my God, How would you know if you want to keep him or not if you don't know if he's rich? If you Google Sebastian <laughs> Chow, there are like five I, other ones on I Facebook. I Googled everyone on this podcast, sorry. You know? <laughs> not for the sake of like <laughs> they do every day. <laughs> I just. Look, the movie as well, I think everyone celebrated it because the first five days it got out made $34 million at the box office. A lot of uh, celebrities endorsed it. And yeah, I will say it was a bit whiteified, meaning um, it was made to appeal to white audience as well. We can understand that. But I think, and this is based on an article that I read in The Atlantic, that the themes in the movie and the way it's presented are actually setting Asians back a bit because it's not just about this issue of money. Remember that first scene when Michelle Yeoh goes into the hotel with her family and they encounter the racist clerks at the desk? They're implying like, oh no, I'm Eleanor Dota, Eleanor Young. Like I'm from this rich family. Don't assume I'm the other type of Asians from Chinatown. We're not those kinds of Asians. <laughs> There's a separation. There's a self-discrimination that we're the classy rich Asians and that the other dirt poor peasant Asians, like that's not us. We're nobility. You know what I mean? So this perpetuating kind of stereotype that like, yeah, we're part of the white club and how um, Ken Jong. He mocks Rachel Chu's name when she first comes to his house doing like a Ching Chong Wing Wong accident. And then he's like, not kidding. I went to Cal State, like, rah, rah, rah. I'm white. I'm one of you. Like, <laughs> like there's a whiteification symbolic mm. in all these little in- interactions that we can't overlook. Like, so yes, it's good because it's getting our Asianness out there. But what message is that really sending too at the end of the day? But I will say, fair, like, met- can- let's go on, go on. Well, I personally met Singaporeans and they totally think they are better than us. <laughs> it's true. Like, yeah, I get it. You are a, a rich country in the poorest areas of the world. Great bragging rights. And like when I was at the airport, yeah, pretty cool. Coolest airport in the world. Like the people, I went on a tour and the tour guide just would not stop talking about how amazing Singapore is. He's like, it's the best place in the world. I'm so happy this is my home. Like mm. they love their country and mm. they they do think they are better than other Asians. It, it is probably the best place in the world to get executed for having pot. And <laughs> chewing gum. And chewing yeah. gum. Yeah. 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 Just spanking and whipping. <laughs> Shoot some gum. But 
Hey man, I look. I I like Singapore. I haven't lived there, but it's. A, I I think it looks pretty great. Like the technology is awesome. They have these like that cool building, which I am too poor to understand what it looks like on top which i finally got to see when the movie came out i was like oh shit there's a pool on top of this thing that's awesome uh, <laughs> yeah the entire yeah. city has like an air conditioning system because that part of the world is so freaking humid they actually have like like they invented something that where pockets of air would constantly just like breeze throughout yeah. the city wow. hmm. that's amazing singapore singapore is asian wakanda okay <laughs> <laughs> Guess I don't know. Singaporeans left a very sour taste in my mouth. No, but it's very, it's very sterile. I've been there on like my baby moon and for David's first marathon, and it's a clean, beautiful city, very proper. But it's completely, it's basically emasculated. Like it's, it's basically, yeah. There's no jizz in it. It's like declawed Asia. <laughs> it's like a declawed <laughs> country. It's it's declawed, guys. There's no real culture there except for in the food courts. Like, um, yeah, the hawker stalls. Yeah, so, yeah. Just, so just this country's just, so sterile uh, that ain't getting anybody pregnant. Okay, so yeah. just uh, just uh, bring it <laughs> bring it back to the <laughs> to the movie. Um, let's head over to get uh, to get Anna's thoughts on uh, what elements of Crazy Rich Asians resonated with you the most. Um, why do you think it was so successful, and uh, do you think it's reflective of the Asian experience? Yeah, man. Like right at the beginning, when you see Rachel talk to her mom, she has this whole thing where she's like panicking about like meeting Nick's family in Asia. And she she's like, oh, they'll like me. I'm Chinese. And the mom goes like, your face is Chinese, mm-hmm. but your brain and your heart are heart not. Are not. Yeah, and I that gave me shivers. I was like, fuck, that's so true. Like, I am born in Canada. I look mm. Chinese, but I don't I don't feel that Chinese growing up. Okay, I felt Chinese like maybe the first four years of my life, and then I went to like a white school, and then I was like, who am I? Mm. You know. Uh, so it was really cool seeing our narrative on the silver screen because it hasn't been done in like what, 20 years. Like the joy luck club was the first modern all Asian cast movie Mm -hmm. in a Hollywood film. And it was also cool seeing like a movie with Asians who had sex appeal because to be honest, I was getting sick of like seeing Asian people playing like nerds or you don't like Ken Jeong. Yeah. uh, (laughs) with with the tiny penis he's the one with the sex appeal i was talking about oh yeah yeah. oh yeah he did bring it this time yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, and like the part where she was like oh like maybe i'll wear this to meet his family and then she's like no wear red it shows good luck and fertility Hmm. which is very important being a chinese woman like you want to be uh fuckable and and bear kids. What is? Yeah, you want to be fertile. Lack of better word. So Not yeah. Sterile, yep. But you know, in, in that scene when they uh, when they said, "Oh, you're gonna wear that." <laughs> Let's get you into some real clothes, sweetheart. And then they uh, they put this like m- like vomit, multicolored skittle <laughs> vomit, vomit. A bead, like a beaded curtain on her. And Disco Cleopatra was uh, <laughs> Oliver's words. Have, have you ever noticed how like rich people's clothes are sometimes just garbage? Yeah, and they're <laughs> they just, just really expensive garbage. Like they're looking to be individual. They don't want to be like normal people. They're like, it, I it, want. It feels like the, the Emperor's New Clothes story. You know where they oh, they like, uh, 
they the emperor the 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 guy says like here's these these clothes that only cool people can wear uh, i can can if you look at them like they they look completely see through if you're not totally dope yeah uh, you can see them right and the emperor's <laughs> like of course i'm i'm so i'm so cool i can totally see those clothes that you're holding and then he just walks through town <laughs> naked and everyone uh, He's like, hey, Everyone's too chicken should say anything. And yeah. that's kind of my allegory for the Toronto stand up community. Whoa. <laughs> oh. <laughs> on, 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 on that note, I'm just going to make a, a quick correction because we'll get killed by some of our Asian <laughs> listeners. Um, uh, so uh, crazy. No, um, Joy Luck Club wasn't the first Hollywood. It was just the first since 1961's Flower Drum Song to have a um, Hollywood. A, backing right yeah like, so it was um asia mm. is flower drum song 1961 then joy luck club we have an all asian cast movie that doesn't have a three-word title <laughs> joy luck club oh it was crazy nice. oh, luck club four okay <laughs> <Crouching> tiger <laughs> uh, wait i thought joy luck had a hyphen i count that <laughs> <laughs> um so let's uh let, let's head on over to uh to sebastian what are your thoughts about uh crazy okay Rich so Asians? i like the movie but here's the thing and all the rich people they have like a stupid long driveway like to get from your front gate to your house you have to go through 18 holes of a winding golf course just to just to get inside and like the biggest reason the suburbs suck is that you have like a long commute maybe and I'm like, I'm sure this is beautiful, but you get numb to anything, any kind of luxury if you have it every day. <laughs> so effectively, you're just paying more money to add time to your commute. Mm. <laughs> I, I find these these estates to be uh, quite superfluous. And they're fancy, but they're they're not they're not they're not very good in my eyes. Mm. Yet, I I don't want to have to walk, like I, I have to do a 5k to get to my neighbor's house. Mm. That's ridiculous. Uh, <laughs> and there's a real cultural schism here. Uh, like when Rachel got mad because the other girls gave her a fre- uh, free fish. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it, was an imp- nice. it was an impressive fish. Like they, It was like, a girl, barracuda. They, they left a hateful message like, get out, you gold digging skank or something on the window. They could have just done that Catch and it, it. would have been just rude. Yeah. But they gave her an impressive prize fish this isn't any fish it's like and it's fresh it's got the clear eyes and that you know they bled it so that like the blood didn't coagulate and sour the meat because the blood's all over the bed so you know that they did that and it's just it's it's just a you know a nice nice thing that's dinner for a week for a few weeks actually that was a big fish mm. get i know some what to get over. you for your birthday if you're gonna get <laughs> if you get me a fish that big i will be so thankful <laughs> hey guys sorry before i forget yeah next week can we talk about woody allen and how he groomed and married his eight-year-old daughter what <laughs> I, i'd watch that yeah you don't know that sebastian no i you know uh a, 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 sorry. a comedian let's not who, uh, like we forgot to cover that in our interracial relationship segment of right <laughs> Well, let's talk about that. I, I, I am adding that once. to future topics Thank right you. now. To a, a white comedian I was talking, and he said that I looked like Woody Allen when he was doing China Face. Oh, my God. Now yeah, I this, this guy, uh, yeah, yeah, he was a racist guy, uh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> was his name but, Mel Gibson? No, no, I won't say his name. Uh, <laughs> 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 but he married his daughter? Yeah. His adopted daughter. Oh, not not when she was eight. Okay, his, yeah, his adopted like, daughter. It's he still raised still her. He basically <laughs> adopted this child, and then was like, "I'm your daddy. I'm your daddy. I'm your papa. I'm your like." 
he fucking married her later. <laughs> um, okay, Mia, so Mia Farrow uh, was his wife. Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Just, uh, just a quick. Okay. I, I, I have it in the notes to talk about uh, pedophilia and human okay. trafficking in, in, in a future Thank episode. You, um, Thank you, Vaughn. Thank you, Vaughn. Let's not get table discussions. Getting back to crazy irritations. Let's, uh, let's head uh, on over to to Leonard and your your thoughts on the movie. What resonated with you, and do you think it was authentic to the Asian experience? <laughs> well, it's hard to follow pedophilia uh, and, and just go back to, and I thought, what a rom-com. Hey, by the way, <laughs> you know, remember this guy who married his eight-year-old daughter? Ah, oh, rom-com. Ooh, you know that meat cute between Woody Allen and Sun Yi? Ooh, what a, what a little fun time that was. <laughs> oh, you can see it. You can see the sparks fly. You know, it's like, oh, uh, fighting. They were fighting, right? Because it's like, oh, we've met each other, and now all of a sudden there's like a bit of a controversy because she wants to, you know, because he wants her to eat his vet her vegetables, and oh, you know, oh, so adorable. Oh yeah. my god. Okay. Anyways, uh, the whole I love rom coms, so I like Crazy Rich Asians. You know, uh, <laughs> like you know, it's it's, uh, it's no Annie Hall, but hey. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> Jesus Christ. I. Would you like me to jump? You know, Leonard, why don't, why don't I jump in? I've got a few more thoughts to give you a chance to collect your your thoughts. So um, one other thing I, I liked about Crazy Rich Asians, um, there were a few things. I liked the whole idea of like Radio 1 Asia because that is really true of like when something happens, there is like a gossip network of Asians um, for sure. And even in the gay community, there's a gossip network of Gaysians that we will text each other about like predatory people. I guess it's sort of like a version of like the Asian whisper network that women have. Um, so I, I, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I will say too, at the end, I felt like, isn't it tacky to propose to somebody at somebody else's wedding? Like, Absolutely. How are you yeah, going to make sure. that about you? <laughs> well, it wasn't at the ceremony. It was still, just like, it was on a plane. It was yeah. on the plane. But like still, if you do it at the ceremony, that's, that's, that's no, give it a sure. week. Let Never them finish their honeymoon, people. Like, whoa, whoa, let them post whoa. their honeymoon. Don't give them photos. like the whole year, okay? What if they do like a delayed honeymoon? They're not. Go- that doesn't necessarily mean. I don't know. Right I would them. not have been about that life if somebody gonna propose like the day after my. Or I don't know. It was a time skip because she hated him for like a few weeks, but still. Tacky. Is it like a public proposal? Because like if you if you go to the wedding and then like you go to, back to the hotel room. And then you propose it. That's fine. Same day. It's it's fine. Oh. It's um, it's about upstaging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Asian culture is about upstaging. Yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, hopefully Leonard has now collected his thoughts. Um, what are your thoughts about crazy <laughs> reputation? I liked it. <laughs> Did you cry at any point? Those are good thoughts. Of course. You know, I did. I actually, I did. I did cry. I cried at the wedding scene. Just yeah, that, that was yeah. Amazing. Her wedding dress like, was so gross. And, and they wasted so much like, money on the dress because they got it wet. Like, they got the dress all wet. So Why is there so much water on the floor? <laughs> what a terrible time to have a leak. <laughs> yeah. They turned um, this church into like a rice paddy. Literally, that's what yeah. the, the aunties say. Now, you know what was cool about it is that I did legit cry. I don't remember exactly when, but I did just because, like, I love rom-coms and, you know, I don't cry at rom-coms, but, like, I had never seen a rom-com with Asian faces. Yeah. And I felt like I tried 
even though I had nothing to do with it. I'm like, <laughs> God damn, it feels so good. And why did you see the call? They, they got every other Asian in there. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, Bobby yeah, Lee is so upset because yeah, oh, he yeah, did not sure. get a fucking Oh, yeah, audition. Bobby Lee is so mad. But Ronnie He's Chang like, was Every Asian? It's, yeah, seriously. <laughs> every Asian but him got an audition. Well, I watched yeah. it because of Aquafina. Mostly because everyone's like, yo, you look like Aquafina. And I'm like, <laughs> that's cool. I, so it's kind of like seeing myself on on the- <laughs> yeah, just quick, quickly talking about the, you know, since we're all comedians and this was a rom-com, what did you guys think of, like, the comedy aspect of it? You know, there's Ken Jeong, Aquafina's not quite a comedian, but she's kind of a comedian. Um, what, what were yeah, your thoughts? I think she I was, did. I was, oh, sorry, go on. No, I just want to say, I think Aquafina was so entertaining in it. Like, when her what? scene with Ken Jeong entered is when I actually started enjoying the movie, I think. Mm. I was going to yeah. say the same thing. Like, yeah. I legit didn't laugh until, yeah. like, you know, you were saying the whole thing about Ken Jeong and, like, his whole, like, yeah. I went to Cornell or whatever, wherever he went. Here's the thing. Like, I was so concerned. Like, when he came out and he was speaking in an Asian accent, I was like, oh, fuck, no. No, really? You're going to do this? You're going to do an Asian accent? Come on. And then when he when he did, like, the whole, you know, no, I, you know, I went to American college, whatever. I'm, like whatever. You. you know yeah, what? Yeah. Yeah, I was like, I laughed just out of pure relief. Yes. Right? Yes. That is really what comedy is. It's like increasing tension and then release. Yes. And I was like, ah, but this, I mean, this, oh. that's, yeah, I was just like, Jesus Christ. Like, if they do, if he does like a fake accent for this whole fucking movie, I'm going to be so <laughs> mad. Be bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, but that is like, that is actually like the first laugh that I had in that yeah. movie. And then that kind of broke it. And then I was like, okay, cool. And then I, yeah. Uh, okay, cool. I'll. I'll open it up for any final thoughts before we close our <laughs> review of Crazy Rich Asians mm. and odd sidestep to pedophilia. But why would anyone cheat on Astrid? She's like perfect. I know that was such a bullshit. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's beautiful, and now you're. I gonna- know. It's not my job to make you more of a man. And I was like, ooh, that was yeah. good. Because I can't make you something you're not. I, yeah, I did like that the, one. That was the bullet. Yeah. Um, one thing I'll say, too, is yeah. I do like that they're working on a sequel, China Rich Boyfriend. Um, because Wait, I, really? Yeah, because there's this, like, Well, there's three book books. Series, there's yeah. three books. And by the way, like the book, like the movie, like diverged from the book quite a bit. Oh, did it? Because I think if, if they did the book, if they did the movie like the book, it wouldn't be the same. Like the book the end of it like they're like oh fuck the mom we're just gonna move to america and never talk to her again that's no, that, that's the book that's, that seems like the the choice that i probably would have gone with i'm not <laughs> instead of like honest. relying on some like weird cockamamie mahjong uh like mahjong yeah physics oh, that mahjong scene never happens in the book like not, yeah. none of that oh and also in the books there's like way more south asians because like, they like... just erased all the south asians <laughs> from Oh yes, yes. If, you know, it feels I, like if you, if you can't rig a mahjong game, you basically just have to take him and leave to America. Yeah, I I, I do have to rep. <laughs> I do have to rep for the South Asians. I did speak to a South Asian um, who shortly after I, I watched the film, and they said it did kind of upset them because the only South Asians that appeared in the film is you know when Aquafina and Rachel um drive in, and then there's like. Those two South the Asians, oh, yeah. like, they, they yeah, jump yeah. out of the bushes. Mm-hmm. The, the Gurkhas, the Gurkhas, yeah. And they're yeah. like, they're like, really? That's all you're gonna put a South Asian is like, we're, 
in bodyguards the, where bodyguards Indiana in the bushes in the temple of doom like yeah, great. <laughs> Fuck. yeah, yeah. so no, uh, in the in the sequels the south asians like are so much more prominent there's like super wealthy uh indians and i hope i hope that gets in there because like i think that's also important to show yes. that because oh, yeah. there are so many crazy rich south asians like i was in i was in mumbai like a couple years ago and it's nuts. Like the income inequality is crazy. This is one dude. He built this. It's his house. It's it's like over a billion dollars. And it's this massive. It's like an entire building. And if you go there. And but he built it right in the middle of the poor neighborhood. So like I was there. And there's like a dude sleeping in a cardboard box in front of this billion dollar house. And I was just like, you really need to address this. Mm. And I hope they do that in the next movie. <laughs> yeah. I actually, I had a roommate who was a. Uh, on exchange from uh, from China, and he he had a million. Uh, he was a millionaire from a very rich family who owned factories, and he would wear uh, just like crazy shoes with like golden spikes all over them, and they would look like garbage, and they cost like ten grand. Uh, mm. and, it's a Louboutins. I know those shoes. Yeah, and he <laughs> and he came over to America, and he he discovered uh, that uh, in America you don't uh, they don't censor pornography, and also uh, he did not discover. How to throw away used tissues? So they just littered the floor. Hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, that that just just seems, story. That seems yeah, about as suitable a way to to wrap up uh, our review of Crazy Richard. <laughs> 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 any, um, so uh, thank you to the listeners. Um, thank you to our panelists. Um, next week we are going to be watching Princess Mononoke, um, which was. Uh, mm-hmm. Which was suggested Studio by Ghibli. Leonard last week. Um, yeah, it's uh, as Anna just said, it's a Studio Ghibli film. Um, all of which are now available on Netflix Canada. I think in the U.S. it's available on HBO Max. Um, no, it's on Netflix. It's on Netflix. In the in the U.S. as well. Yeah. I think they released on. Oh, maybe yeah. Not. I, I think I think I know it's on Netflix in Canada for sure. They just they just released it, like all the Ghibli stuff. Yeah, yeah. In Canada, it's Netflix for Studio Ghibli. In the U.S., it's HBO Max. They they picked up those oh, rights. Okay. Um, so you know, because we do have an international audience here, uh, <laughs> just, let, just letting people know. Um, and our topic, which will be related to Princess Mononoke, is the Asian view on pollution in the environment. Obviously, we know China in the past has um, gone a bad reputation, but I feel like maybe the U.S. is kind of worse now. Who knows? Let's, uh, let's, let's talk about it, though. It's at least a debate. Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next week. <laughs> Was that like a... Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.